Y'all, can you believe it is December 2023? Here we are. We're wrapping up this uh, this year. Uh, we are starting a new series this morning that will last us through uh, the end of this year. Uh, the, the series is called His Name Shall Be. We're going to look at uh, Isaiah 9, 6, the, the prophecy of the coming Messiah. Uh, and today we're talking about wonderful Counselor. So we'll see that in just a few minutes as we get into Isaiah 9, verse 6. Uh, also want to give you a heads up. Uh, we'll be celebrating the Lord's Supper uh, this morning at the conclusion of this sermon. It'll be our last Lord's Supper together in 2023. That's when stuff starts feeling real when you say this is the last time this year. Uh, so Christmas season. Uh, I know some of you love it. Some of you may not love it so much. Um, you know, it's easy to do either if your feelings uh, are solely based on memories or experiences that you have connected to this time of year. You know, I know some people love it because maybe you, you know, you had warm, uh, fuzzy feelings growing up and Christmas was a glorious time. Uh, maybe it's a challenging time for you because uh, it reminds you of, of loved ones um, and different experiences you've had. Uh, you know, so it's easy to, to love or hate it based on your previous feelings attached to that, right? Uh, it's like church for, for many people, uh, right? Um, people love or hate church based on their prior experience. Uh, I hear this a lot, a lot, a lot. So, like, the older I get, the more I hear this, that, uh, man, I hate church because I had a bad experience, because I was hurt, because here's the, the most common one, because people are, are what? Hypocrites, you all know it, right? Uh, you've been called it. We've all been called it. Uh, so some people say, "Man, I hate church because I've been hurt in church. It's a, it was a bad experience." Um, let me tell you this. Let me be honest. If I based my love for the church on my past experience, uh, I probably wouldn't be in church anymore. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, because I, like almost every follower of Jesus, has experienced hurt in the church. Uh, but God loves the church. Jesus gave his life for the church. And uh, I've seen glimpses of the glory of, of God's people gathered together. I get to experience that uh, as part of this church. Uh, and had I not held on uh, and persevered through church hurt, man, we, I wouldn't get to experience the glory of what it means to be a part of this church. Uh, and so, you know, but it, it takes realizing the church is about Jesus. It's not about me and uh, not primarily about me. And the same thing is true of Christmas. Uh, I could probably convince you of that statement about the church. The church is about Jesus, uh, not about me. But Christmas is the same, same thing. Christmas is about Jesus, not about me. Christmas is about Jesus, not about me. Uh, for a long time, again, I want to confess that I hated Christmas. Uh, and it's because growing up, um, I made it. I can look back and go, man, I made Christmas uh, all about me. I remember times as a kid where I didn't get the things I wanted and I was furious with my parents and I hated Christmas, right? Uh, and so I came into like adulthood when I started adulting uh, and I just did not like Christmas. And then I met and married a woman who loves Christmas and all the Christmas stuff. And like a lot of things in marriage, like it's always a fun, you know, uh, collision of uh, background experiences and all that stuff. Um, but I made it all about me. Now, some of you are like, no, Christmas isn't, I don't make it all about me because I love to give gifts. Again, some of you have the spirit, like this is a spiritual gift, the spiritual gift of, you know, generosity. You love to give, uh, but uh, you know, and, and bless your heart. Some of you, uh, I love you if you love to give gifts. <laughs> uh, I, you're, you're a friend that I want to have in my life. But 
Christmas isn't primarily, I don't know if you ever thought about this, Christmas is not even primarily about giving gifts. Because if you love to give gifts, I mean, again, Lord bless you, I think that's great. It certainly makes Christmas more enjoyable. But if, if you love Christmas because you love to give gifts, you've, you're still making Christmas about yourself, right? Uh, it's not about the gifts that we receive or the gifts that we give. It's about Jesus. Now, you know the very trite phrase that we've seen. We've seen on, you know, bumpers or we've seen memes about it. Jesus is the what? Reason for the season. So trite. I hate trite statements, and yet this very trite statement is also very true, right? It is very true. Uh, For me, Christmas began to take on a different meaning when I came to Christ and realized, oh, it's not about whether I get the gifts and the things that I want or not. Uh, It is about, Christmas is about the coming of a Messiah, a Savior who would lead people out of their sin, out of their brokenness, out of darkness, and would lead them into light, and would lead them into life. Jesus, this Messiah, would come to save us from our sins. He is the gift that God gave us, the greatest gift we could ever receive. And this is what Christmas is about. And this is the context of Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6. As we get into this, what we see is this prophecy. The prophet is prophesying of this one Messiah, this one who would come to rule and to reign. He would come to conquer all enemies and bring light and freedom and joy to all his people. And this is what Christmas is about. This is what he is still doing. This Messiah, Jesus, who has already come, he's still doing this very thing today. He is, he is bringing light and freedom and joy to his people. And so this is why we celebrate Christmas. And so I'm going to invite you to stand with me. We're going to read one verse this morning. That's going to be the text for this entire series, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This is God's word. It is truth. It is life. Isaiah 9, 6 says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is God's word, amen. And so Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this prophecy um, of this coming Messiah. God, this prophecy has has come true. Um, You are the one who has come to redeem us from our sin. Uh, You are the the child that was born, the son that was given uh, for us to take our sin upon uh, himself, to die in our place, to pay the price that we could never pay. And so, God, as we enter into this season, we, uh, we want to look to you. We want to fix our eyes and our hearts, our affections firmly upon you. God, when the world and our culture, maybe um, everything around us is screaming to make it about uh, ourselves and about material things, God, I pray that you would remind us this morning and every week of this, uh, this month that it's all about you. Um, God, we talk about uh, the fact that it's all about the gospel, and this, is, this rings true, the, that this season and, and all that we celebrate, it's all about you. It's all about the gospel, that you have come to live and to die in our place and to rise 
victorious over sin and death and the grave. And so, Lord, this season, help us to receive um, that truth. Help us to live in that truth. Help us to be generous and kind and gracious uh, because of who you are and what you have done. And may others see that and experience that uh, every moment they have around us and in this church in particular. God, we love you. Would you open our eyes to your truth this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you all go ahead and have a seat. Wonderful Counselor is what we're going to be looking at this uh, week. Uh, So let me ask a couple questions of this passage before we get into uh, the name Wonderful Counselor. Who who is this? Who is this all about this morning? Who are we talking about? Uh, And I want to go back to Isaiah 9 verse 6. It says this. It says, for to us a child is born. So I want to start with that phrase, a child. To us a child is born. This speaks of the humanity of of Jesus who would come. It speaks of his humanity, that he had to be born. All right, so think about this. Uh, Jesus, the Messiah, could have come as a fully grown man, right? There was there was precedent for that. There was one other who came into this world as a fully grown man. Who was it? It was Adam, right? So Jesus could have come as a fully grown man, and yet uh, he didn't. He had to be born. He needed to grow into a man. He needed to experience all the things that, that we experience so that, and I love that, that Andrew used Hebrews 4 this morning. Uh, I didn't know he was going to share that. He didn't know that I was going to share this. But uh, he needed to experience what we experienced so that he could sympathize with us, so that he could fully identify with us, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest. He needed to go through all that we go through. Hebrews 2.17 says this, Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. He needed to be born. He needed to experience all that we experienced so that he could become our merciful and faithful high priest. Unto us a child is born. And then he goes on to say, uh, unto us a son is given. So a child is born speaks to his humanity, Whereas a son is given speaks to his divinity, his deity. The fact that he is not just man in the flesh, he is God in the flesh. A son is given. He was the eternal son of God. He had to be given. He had to be given to us. God so loved the world that he what? gave his only begotten son. He gave him. He had to be given to us to be our savior. And so what we see here is, is he was a child who was born. He was fully, this is the, the, the truth of the, the incredible, hard to believe, incomprehensible truth of the incarnation, that he was fully man and yet he was fully God. And this is what just a couple chapters earlier in Isaiah speaks to. Isaiah 7, verse 14. Uh, here's, here's the prophecy. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name, what? Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Matthew 1, as Matthew recounts, he, he, he references this prophecy. Matthew 1, 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
He's fully man, and yet he is fully God. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Now, again, in the scriptures, a lot of times repetition is, is, is mentioned for the sake of importance and, and highlighting something. But here, God uses it not just for repetition's sake, but for the sake of showing us the humanity and the, the deity of this coming Messiah, Jesus. And so this first part here, child is born, son is given, this speaks to his first advent, his first coming, his incarnation that we celebrate at Christmas. Okay, so who is this child, a son? Here, who, who, what is his role? Here's the next question before we get into really what we're going to talk about this, this week and the next three weeks. What is his role? Isaiah 9, 6, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. So what does that mean when it says the government shall be upon his shoulder? When we think about, you know, when you think about somebody having broad shoulders, like metaphorically, we talk about, you know, they're carrying the weight of the world, right? They carry the weight of something. And so government, what it speaks to is dominion and, a power, and power and, and authority. In other words, when it talks about the government will be upon his shoulder, it's, it's saying that this Messiah who would come is going to rule and he's going to reign as king of kings and what? Lord of lords, right? He's going to come and rule the government shall be upon his shoulder. If you look to the next verse in Isaiah 9, verse number 7, it says this. He goes on to say, Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And so let me summarize what what Isaiah is saying here, he's saying this, that his rule will be absolute, it will be peaceful, and it will be endless. His rule, the rule of the Messiah, the rule of Jesus would be absolute. He is going to rule over every square inch of creation. There is nothing under him over which he will not rule and reign. His rule will be absolute. It will be peaceful. It will be endless from this time forth and forevermore. And he goes on to say that the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. In other words, like the Lord's host, the, the armies of heaven are behind him and behind his authority and power. And so he will see to it that this will come to pass. So the second portion, okay, the first portion, son is given, or a child is born, a son is given. That speaks to his first advent, his first coming. The second portion that says that the government shall be upon his shoulder, this speaks to his second coming, his second advent. That we, we get glimpses in this life of God's rule and reign, of his kingdom breaking forth into our world, but we won't get to see and experience that in all of its fullness until he comes again, until he returns. And from that point on, forevermore, his rule will be absolute, peaceful, and endless. The government shall be upon his shoulder. So this brings us to the third question I have, which will take us into the names. What is his name? This is where we're going to spend our time this week and over the next uh, three weeks. Uh, what is his name? So it goes on to say this phrase, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of of peace. So his name shall be called. So when it, when it says those words, his name shall be called, uh, it doesn't mean these are literal names. 
Okay, so that doesn't mean like if you go home for lunch and you pray that you're like, oh, I've got a new name. Dear wonderful counselor, would you bless this food? Okay, you can, you can do that if you want. No, uh, I'm not going to stop you. Uh, but that, we're, we're not talking about literal names. Uh, in, in, in Hebrew, um, you know, names encompassed like the totality of, of a person's being and their character and their nature, all of, of, of who they are. Uh, so names are a big deal. Uh, and so when we talk about these four names that we see here, uh, it's that they're like titles or descriptions that tell us uh, or speak to the character of Christ, the glory of Christ, who he was and what he came to do. Right? So these are descriptive of who he is and what he has done. And so this first one that we're going to look at this morning is Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. So let's start with that word, uh, Wonderful Start with the word wonderful. Uh, I just, for fun of it, I was just thinking, okay, that, that word wonderful, what are, the, what are some things that like, come to my mind immediately when I think of the word wonderful? Okay, this is some random insight into the, the, the wacky mind of Pastor Andrew. Okay, three things that just came to the top of my mind. Um, an old 80s movie called Some Kind of Wonderful. Anybody ever seen that movie? Uh, it's a, no, okay. Um, it's an old classic John Hughes, like coming of age movie um, where, uh, you know, it's about friendship and romance and all these fun things. Uh, I just always love that title, Some Kind of, of Wonderful. I can't speak to the content of it. It's been years, all right? So this isn't like a, a gospel endorsement of, the, of that movie. Just the first thing that came to my mind, okay? Uh, word association. That's what we're playing this morning. Uh, here's the second thought that came to my mind. Mr. Wonderful. Anybody watch Shark Tank or ever seen that? You know who Mr. Wonderful is? I don't know why he's called Mr. Wonderful, because he has a wonderful head of hair. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Mr. Wonderful. Uh, that's a second thought that came to my mind. Uh, here's the third thought, was that old Christmas tune sung by Andy Williams from like 1960-something. Uh, uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year, right? That uh, uh, just pops in my head. Uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, 1963, the date. Uh, quick uh, runner-up for you. It's a wonderful life, all right? There's another one, uh, which, what, three years ago, we, we did a series, Christmas at the Movies, and we, I watched It's a Wonderful Life for the first time in my life so that I could preach a sermon on it. Uh, if y'all are interested, um, I think it's online somewhere, back in the archives. Uh, so wonderful, this word wonderful, uh, we could define that as excellent, great, marvelous. I think when I think of, of wonderful, I think of, you know, when I think of wonderful describing God, I think of, you know, gracious and generous and and kind, and I think that certainly is true of, of his character. Here's another way uh, to think of this word wonderful. It's incomprehensible, or to be full of, of wonder. Incomprehensible, or full of, of wonder. So again, throwback uh, to Christmas's past. Two years ago, December of 2021, we did a, a series, an Advent series called Wonder. Uh, and we kind of looked at this idea, the wonder of hope and joy and love. And, um, you know, so I, I was looking back at this, this sermon series. And here's how I define the word wonder uh, in that series. It's to be filled with admiration, amazement, or awe, uh, to marvel. All right, and, and let me share a verse with you. Uh, Psalm 77, the psalmist says in verses 11 through 14, uh, as he stands in awe of God, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders 
of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Like the psalmist is just standing in amazement of, of who God is, his deeds, his wonders, his, all his work, all his mighty deeds. He says, your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. And I said in that series, and I'm gonna, I don't know if I've ever done this. I've never, I don't know if I've ever quoted myself. It feels weird to quote yourself, um, but if it's good, it's good, whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, here's what I said. In the course of everyday life, we often lose our sense of wonder. Advent stirs it up within us. Again, the sense of wonder, like it's, it's weightier, this word wonderful is weightier than we, we use it today, right? We, we tend to use the word wonderful when we're talking about something that is, is pleasant or something that, that we like or enjoy. It's wonderful. Again, when I think of, of God being wonderful, I think, man, he's kind and he's generous and he's gracious. And yet, this word wonderful has more to do with like his power, in his authority, his, the things that he does, his mighty deeds that make us full of wonder, that make us stand in awe of who he is. He is wonderful. At Judges 13, uh, I just want to share these couple of verses with you. Uh, this is a story before Samson was born. Samson's father, uh, Manoah, he's speaking to an angel of the Lord. Now, often through the Bible, when you see an angel of the Lord, it's what we call, this is a big Little, this is a big Bible word, a little theology lesson, a theophany, which means like a pre-existent appearance of, of God uh, or of Christ. So he's, he's speaking to the angel of the Lord, who is actually the Lord. And Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, what is your name? So that when your words come true, we may honor you. And the angel of the Lord, in this case, this is a, a Christophany, an appearance of Christ before he came in the flesh. Then here's the question. Why do you ask my name, seeing it is what? Wonderful. Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? Like, why are you asking my name since it's beyond your understanding? Like, you can't even fully comprehend who I am and, and what, I, what I've done. This is that, that word wonderful. Charles Spurgeon said this. He says, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. This name may refer to the various acts of Christ. He is wonderful in his incarnation. He is wonderful as the word made flesh. He is wonderful when dying for sinners. He is wonderful in rising from the dead. He is wonderful in ascending on high. He is wonderful in his second coming. He is wonderful in all that he does and in all that he is. Wonderful. So, wonderful counselor. So, we've looked at wonderful. Let's consider that word counselor this morning. Counselor. Now, when we think of the word counselor, we have, most of us think of what a counselor is in 2023, right? It's someone who, um, you know, is, is trained or licensed to help us uh, to you know, better understand ourselves, our, our situations, our emotions, our decisions to help us to grow uh, and to, be, to become, um, to change, to, to learn how to respond to challenges in our life. Someone who helps us, who gives us wisdom, right? A counselor. Um, I will say this, uh, I do think um, good biblical counseling is a very good thing. Uh, I think we all need godly counsel. Now, not all of us will see a licensed or trained uh, counselor, 
I would say it would probably do all of us good to see a counselor who can give us wisdom. Um, I think of this word counsel, I think of the word wisdom, right? Uh, I I differentiate counsel from what we would normally in the world call advice. Advice is here's here's what I know, here's what I think, here's my experience. Let me give you some hopefully good advice. Whereas counsel, I think of counsel as wisdom that comes from the Lord. And we all need godly wisdom that's not just based on our experiences or our thoughts, uh, but upon God's holy word. Counselor. And so this, this word counselor here is, is different. It's not, it's not saying like, well, Jesus is going to be this loving, kind psychologist for you. I mean, it's, it's, it's not saying that. Or a, a, a counselor, um, you know, we all need godly wisdom and help. Uh, whether that's from a, a trained counselor, whether that's from um, you know friends, uh, godly believers, pastors, but in ancient Israel, when it spoke to a counselor, what it was speaking to was was kind of like an advisor to the king, right? Someone who uh, was an expert in in uh, military warfare and strategy. Uh, so this word counselor uh, speaks to wisdom in in governing and leading, uh, ability to make wise plans. This is what it means when it says a counselor. Uh, let me give you some, some examples in, in scripture. Solomon, uh, who we know was, was full of, of wisdom. Uh, I don't have time to dig into the story. This is one of my favorite stories of wisdom. Uh, Solomon, if you remember when these two women come to Solomon, they have uh, one, one baby who they both claim is their baby. The other baby died. And so they come to Solomon to help solve this issue. You remember Solomon's uh, counsel at this point? Uh, He said, well, somebody bring me the sword. We'll cut the baby in half and you can each have half. Okay, that would not be like a counselor you'd want to see in 2023. You'd go... They have their license? Uh, I don't know about that. Um, but he gave this counsel, and the real mother said, no, 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 let the baby live. And that's how Solomon knew who the true mother was. Here's, here's what 1 Kings 3.28 says about Solomon. All Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered, which was that gruesome kind of, you know, divide the child in two. Uh, and they stood in awe of the king. Why? Because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. They perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. You look at the next chapter in Kings and it says that people from all over the world came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. So as a king, he was, he was in essence a, a counselor. Uh, he had wisdom in, in military uh, strategy and warfare and all the, all the things, right? Uh, the Lord is also spoken of as having this kind of wisdom. Uh, Isaiah 28, 29 says this, this also comes from the Lord of hosts. He is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. So the Lord is wonderful in counsel. He's excellent in wisdom. Uh, Jesus Christ is spoken of as being one who is a counselor, who's full of, of wisdom. In Isaiah 11, 1 and 2, it says this, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Again, this is a prophecy that coming Messiah. A branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And then Colossians 2.3, again, speaks to Christ in whom it says are hidden 
all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So counselor, here is, is what Tim Keller said. He is the wonderful counselor because in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He gives us counsel that is filled with wonder beyond human understanding, able to guide, comfort, and transform our lives. He is wonderful counselor. This Messiah is a wonderful counselor, a king who would rule and reign with extraordinary supernatural wisdom that goes beyond human capabilities. Wonderful counselor. This is who Jesus is. So how do we live in, in light of this wonderful counselor? I, I just want to consider this for a moment before we celebrate uh, this wonderful counselor uh, through the Lord's Supper. So that word wonderful let me ask you this question. How often do you stand in awe of God? How often do you stand in awe of God? Psalm 77, you saw the psalmist who declared over and over, I mean, I remember, I remember your, your mighty deeds, your, your wonders of, of old. God, I stand in awe of who you are and all that you have done. How often do you stand in awe of his grace and his mercy towards you? I hope as we went through Romans chapter 8, a whole series, I hope that you stood in awe of this God who says there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who said there is nothing that could ever separate you from my love. Man, I hope that when we, when we see these things, that you stand in awe of this God who should bring us to a place where we are full of, of wonder, God. Like, listen, y'all, I got ready for this morning and knowing who I've been this week, and I felt like, man, God, I don't have any room to get up here and preach the gospel because I'm just a sinner. I'm full of wonder that God would let me do this, y'all, that God would see us sinners who deserve his wrath, and yet he would, he would choose to set his love and his grace upon us. That ought to every time bring you to a place of, of wonder and awe. How often do you stand in awe of, of God? And then this word counselor. Where do you seek wisdom and, and understanding and help? Where do, where do you seek wisdom and understanding and help? Do you seek it from your own resources? Listen, this is such a weird thing when you think about it. Like, we live in an age where... Any question that you may have, you can theoretically find an answer, right? Where do you go? Google, all right? I didn't hear any like Bing or any of these other, like whatever. Um, Google, right? You can Google anything. You can YouTube it. Somebody's, some fool's made a video and then posted it online. Whatever question you have, there's some kind of answer. There's a tutorial. There's something online. There's even like chat GPT or AI or whatever. There's answers for every single. It seems as if there's an answer. You can find an answer to almost any question that you may have. There's this multitude of, of resources at our fingertips. And yet... And yet there is only one true source of wisdom and counsel, and that is the eternal word of God. 
God himself, the counselor, who has made himself available, the source of ultimate wisdom. All other resources, as many as they are, they are limited, but the storehouse of, of God's wisdom, man, it is limitless. And so I just want to ask you, because for many of us, we get our wisdom and our understanding, we seek help from all kinds of sources, people who have been there, done that, the world, social media, all the stuff. Where do you primarily seek wisdom and understanding and help? Is it from the Lord, from your wonderful counselor? Is it from his word? Is it from those who would point you to the wonderful counselor? Is it from your own resources? Is it from your own wisdom and from those around you and in the world? Where do you seek wisdom, understanding, help? Wonderful counselor. Here's my last kind of summary point. We can look to this wonderful Savior and trust his wisdom and counsel to help us. We can look to this wonderful Savior and trust his wisdom and his counsel to help us. God, we look to you. Right? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you know this. But it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge your wonderful counselor, and he will make straight your paths. Amen?